Good morning, everybody, uh, both north and south. It is my it is my high honor to be with you today, and to be the first in uh, what will be four weekends. Uh, a new Christmas series that we'll be in as a church called uh, Simply Christmas. Uh, we all share in common uh, this experience. In fact, uh, many of us, as we come to the new year, will do reflection upon our lives. But it might be that you reflect on the year. It may be just a day or a week that you've lived. And then you look back to sort of assess and measure. And you concluded this. You know what? I've got way too many interruptions. Uh, The life that I should live, that I'm intended to live, I've got to just get less interruptions. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to build an uninterruptible life. We're going to look this first weekend at the Christmas story, and Mary in particular. And we're going to look at what we're going to call divine interruptions. Because the whole of the Christmas story, for every player involved, is nothing but a massive interruption of life. And so we're going to look at... uh, how to recognize and respond to holy interruptions. So in your bulletin is a scripture on the side screens. It will be provided. And uh, if you'd follow along as I read, it was in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy that God sends an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. To a virgin, her name is Mary. She was engaged to be married. His name is Joseph. He was a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Very important uh, are those words and that greeting because there's there's a pattern throughout the whole of the Old Testament. The Lord is with you. She's confused and disturbed. Now, you would think that she might be settled or grounded or helped, but it's just the opposite. She's confused. She's disturbed. She's upset by this. Mary tried to think, what what in the world? What's this mean? Well, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You're going to conceive, give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He's going to be very great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. 
Remember, people used to say she's barren, but now, miracle of miracles, she's in her sixth month of pregnancy. For nothing is impossible with God. Somebody needs to carry those words with you this week. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, what a remarkable human being. I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And then this is Mary's response. This is her prayer. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. Now, if you were to summarize just this story, this account of Mary, you would call this a grand interruption. Now, uh, we've all know or have known uh, uh, a young bride-to-be. And one thing that you can say for sure is they are very focused. They are on a mission. And uh, if you want a one-hour wedding conversation that you didn't ask for, just, just ask them any question that relates to a wedding. Just mention their, their new uh, engagement ring. And ready or not, here comes a one-hour monologue on marriage. Now, for Mary, there's no ring. There's no plans. Uh, the magazine Modern Bride is not all, all over the coffee table of her parents' home. There's nothing at all, because for Mary, she is a part of, of what were known as the Anawim, the Anawim. And they were the poorest of the poor, the lowest of the low, of the marginalized, they are the most forgotten. And scholars tell us that there were two things that characterized them. And it was not their poverty. By the way, I was thinking, in fact, next weekend, it will be the highlight of our year and this series that Julie uh, McGowan Boyd will be with us. And you will not want to miss her. Uh, Julie was here last night, and uh, the first time I went to Kenya, uh, in fact, uh, Tom and I were traveling together. We were in Kenya, Tanzania, and 
I, I, I have never encountered poverty at such a level. I, it was staggering. I almost couldn't catch my breath. But there was, there was among those who were the poorest of the poor a kind of spirituality that I know nothing about. I remember uh, we were in this stick hut you could look up and see the sky through the sticks and this one woman, uh, one of the most precious human beings I've ever met, she said to Tom and I, she said, are you, are you the ones who sent Julie to us? And she stood in this humblest of little circumstances and she prayed over Tom and I. And for, you should have heard her pray for CA. And Tom and I walked away. And I said to Tom, I don't think I even know the Lord. <laughs> Maybe I'm not born again. I, I don't think I know. I don't know the God of these people. So we're told that th- those who were a part of the Anawim, it was not because they were forgotten and poor. It was because they had this this jaw-dropping, this breathtaking kind of hope and dependency and loyalty and yieldedness to God. The second thing we're told is that the Anawim, they loved to be around the temple. And that's where, if you remember in the, the Christmas story, we run into Anna and Simeon. And they are constantly at the temple. The Bible tells us that they were in a constant state of offering prayers and worship to God. Well, Mary is one of these, Anawim. She is waiting eagerly on God because she can hope in nothing else but God. And in Mary's prayer, is this remark, it's, in fact, it's code language for the Anawim. She says, Lord, you saw, you saw me, this lowly, humble servant girl. But in the story now, finally, Mary's going to get a break. Something good is going to happen to her. She's engaged. Now what you must understand is that for a young girl who's a part of this people, the Anoim, this, this is, could literally be the difference between life and death. Because in that culture, if a, if a woman grew up and her parents died and she was still single, she was in, a, she was in deep weeds. She did not have a whole lot of career options. Now, Joseph is not by any means a rich man. But as Tom will talk about in a couple of weeks, he's a guy, he's known, and what he's known for, he's a righteous man. He's a good man. He's a do-the-right-thing kind of guy. So she's going to marry a guy who is esteemed in, in the community And he has a respectable job. For the first time in her life, all the indicators are moving up and to the right. She's getting married. And then, and then, 
her life gets interrupted. An angel shows up and says, Mary, you are so favored. Now, in our language, we could just, Mary, doggone, you are so lucky. Mr. Lucky is shining all over you, Mary. But Mary responds and says, I'm not feeling all that lucky. In fact, the writer wants us to know, it doesn't say that she's troubled. It says she's greatly troubled, immensely troubled. She's flipping out. She's freaking out. She is blowing her mind. Anybody, as you enter this Christmas season, you got, I can tell you, Arlene and I, my, my wife, we've got something in our life, and we are blowing our mind. It's causing us to freak out a bit. Anybody freaking out this Christmas? Blowing your mind? Well, welcome to Christmas. <laughs> Why is she so troubled? Well, there's the obvious. I mean, she thinks she's talking to angels. Uh, you, you can only imagine uh, in the privacy of her own thoughts. Now, I, I, th- I, I think I talked to an angel. How am I going to sell this to everybody else? I mean, just the circumstances alone. But even maybe deeper than this, which can often be missed, is that Mary, who is, who is probably between 13 and 16 years, years of age, she, she is immersed. She knows her Old Testament well. And she knows that whenever there's an angel appearance with these words, the Lord is with you, it is a pattern. And the pattern is that the Lord is calling her to some difficult, sacrificial, and painful assignment. The Lord is with you. And Mary knows what that means. Mary, you are not going to have a safe, secure, average, and ordinary life. God has something demanding to ask of you. You go back and look through your Old Testament and see how many times an angel appears and gives this announcement You're favored and the Lord is with you. And then it follows with these words. And now everything is going to be easy breezy for the rest of the way. One of the ways that you can always tell a divine interruption is that it is always a call to sacrifice and to servanthood and not to convenience, not to ease, not to wealth, and not to power. Now, when's the last time that you were aware that God was interrupting you and you said yes to His plans? In our world, the more important someone becomes, the higher they go up the ladder, the more they can insulate their life from ever being interrupted. 
We have all kinds of mechanisms and means. We just sort of send everybody to voicemail. And if you become really important, really important, you can have layers of assistance that shield you from ever being bothered. Now, of course, of course, there is, we have uh, assistance and, and, and calendars and stuff that we keep to help us manage and be efficient with our time. But never in the Bible is there ever a major move of God that starts from a human agenda. There is always this pattern when God is going to work mightily he interrupts somebody's life. And so we see in the Christmas story, it's Mary, and it's Joseph, it's the wise men, it's the shepherds, all of who we'll talk about in this series. And the amazing thing about all of them is they just have this yielded yes to God. And yet there are other players in the Christmas story, Herod, who there is no way that you are going to interrupt his life, his agenda. I can get so focused on my life that I blind myself from the very thing that I most desire. And that's God using and leading my life. What if, what if some of those just nagging, nasty interruptions in your day are really the purposes and plan of God. I want to take just a moment. We're going to do a little assessment, a little measurement of our IQ, all right? But this time, it's not your intelligence quotient. It's your interruptibility quotient. So here's what I want you to do. There's not enough of a day today. I want you just, if you can, recall yesterday. From the time you got up to the time you went to bed. And I want, to, want you just to think of the things you did. But especially, I want you to think of the people who crossed your path. Could be a family member. Could have been a roommate. Maybe there was a class that you're taking. There were other classmates. Uh, maybe you... Uh, had to do some work yesterday and there were clients that came across your path. Maybe you went to a restaurant and there were some people who served you. I want you just to consider this question. God, how did I do at being open to you interrupting me? Was there something you wanted me to see? Anything you wanted me to notice? Was there, in fact, it would have taken no more time. You were already there. Was there a simple act of kindness or service that I could have rendered? Was there a word of encouragement that I could have offered to somebody who was possibly ready to throw in the towel? Is there something? See, see the, the, the God of Christmas, first of all, no one has ever been more interrupted than Jesus himself. 
but he is also the God of interruptions. And what can so happen over the course of our lives is that we begin to silence this little, small voice of the Spirit. And if anybody might recognize this day that that's been happening, maybe maybe part of the prayer that you need to pray before this day is over is I want to open myself again to the great interrupter. And God, I ask you to interrupt my life all over the place this December month. So let's say that we all agree that God interrupts. How does he do that? Two questions. How does he do that? And how then am I supposed to respond? Well, how he, how he interrupts, uh, I, I mean, I guess we could begin with an angel. Uh, he could interrupt with an angel. And I want all of you who are mystics, so you heard me clearly, all right? All of you who are hyper-Pentecostals, you heard me say it. It could be an angel. It's possible, but it's not probable. Now, just because I said that, I know there's somebody that's thinking, I'm going to email that man. (laughs) So I'm going to help you, okay? My name is Tom Hughes. (laughs) You can reach me at tomhughes at cachurch.com. And I will be happy to receive your email. (laughs) Uh, Nothing like throwing somebody under the bus. uh. (laughs) But look, it could be, it could be an angel. But it's not likely going to be an angel. So what is it that God uses? Oh, God uses the ridiculously normal. God uses what is so average, what is so ordinary in our lives. That's why we so often miss it. He uses a spouse. He uses a friend. He uses a neighbor. He uses a need. He uses a thought. And how then do we respond to these holy interruptions? Well, here's where we get to go to school on a little teenage girl whose name is Mary. And she has these remarkable words. Let it be exactly as you have said, because I am the Lord's servant. Now, there's a couple of words that could have been used And the strongest of those words is used. In fact, I think it gives it even a little bit more emphasis. Mary really says, I am the Lord's slave. Which is, look, I I do your deal. I choose what you want. I am the Lord's servant. Now, let's talk about those words for just a moment. We read the story. In fact, I could ask Tommy and Alex to come, and we could sing uh, to be the servant of all. We could sing the great uh, hymn of the church, 
all to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. And we would all be deeply moved by that, and rightly so. Because when you talk about, look, I am the Lord's servant, there's something that just resonates inside. That's what I'm created for. I'm created for a purpose that is greater than my own life. And I can think, you know, I'm just like Mary. I'm a servant too. Until there's an interruption that disrupts in a way that I'm not real keen on. Because, see, I want to reserve the right to, to choose. I want to have selective interruptions. I want to pick and choose. I think we so romanticize and glamorize the Christmas story and Mary. And here's how. If an angel came to any one of us who is here this morning and said, I want you to do this or do that. I know you well enough. We would all say, sign me up. I'll do it. God, give me an angel and a noble calling like that. And man, I am the Lord's servant. I feel that. You feel that inside. And I think I'm just like Mary. I'm God's slave. But then I'm at home, and I'm on the sofa, and I'm tired. And I'm tired. I'm tired because I've been eating too much. I've been working hard at eating too much. And it's sofa time. And a little less than five foot person who lives with me, whose name is Arlene, there's a bulb that burned out, and she's not tall enough to reach it, and it's literally six feet from me, and she just asks ever so sweetly, Mr. Slave, would you be willing, (laughs) would you be willing to change the bulb? And it's shocking what happens in the attitude of Mr. Servant. (laughs) What happens to Mr. Slave? Don't ask me to serve in unseen, uncelebrated acts of everyday life. See, is it, 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 it's no wonder why Jesus in Mark chapter 10 makes this announcement. The Son of Man came not to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom. See, it was no accident that Jesus will respond that way, look who raised him. When Mary said, I am the Lord's servant, this was not some kind of theory. May it be to me, exactly as you have said, for I am the Lord's servant. Maybe, maybe, no, for certain, I'll bet every one of us, at some, at some place in our life, we need to make that prayer this holiday season. I am the Lord's servant. 
Maybe you're here today and you're in a job that's not your first choice. But it's paying the bills. And you would even say that God has opened that door. Maybe you need to pray, Lord, I'll serve you right here and right now. Maybe, maybe you're single and you need to pray that prayer. God, in the midst of my life, I am your servant. I will serve you right here and right now. And maybe somebody is here today and you're battling with illness. And oh, you want to be healthy and we pray for that. But the prayer needs to be, God, I'll serve you right here and right now. See, Mary's, this prayer called the Magnificat is really, this is her song, of all to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. What an amazing human being Mary is. The one thing, in fact, uh, New Testament scholar Scott McKnight says that there are over 30 references to the Old Testament in Mary's, this one little prayer alone. And one thing I want you to get before we leave this morning is whoever, whoever says yes to God's purpose and plan, it will always, always eventually lead to highest joy. See, before Mary will move on with her life. Now the angel is gone and she has this reality before her, but before she does anything else, she stops to do this one thing. She expresses her wonder, her joy, her delight in God. Oh, how I praise you. Oh, how I rejoice in you. What a human being. This is a classic prayer of the Anoim. The humble will be exalted. The proud will be brought down. The hungry will be fed. The rich will be sent away. And Dallas Willard, he called this the great inversion. Think of what God can do in the life of one teenage girl. In fact, the kingdom of God will come to the world through her. Mary is something more than an incubator for the body of Jesus. She was his mom. To every mom here today, oh, can I just remind you the power of a God-fearing, God-praying mama. In fact, you can understand the themes of Jesus when he'll teach as a young rabbi come right out. They they come from his mom. Remember, Jesus said, holy is his name. Our Father, which art in heaven, Cheryl taught on this last week, hallowed be your name. 
The hungry will be filled with good things. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. All who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. And he, she's, in her prayer, she said that the rulers will be brought down. The proud will be brought down. Remember Herod Antipas is, is hot on the trail to murder Jesus. And messengers are sent to him. They warn him, Herod's looking for you. And Jesus said, well, go tell boyfriend I ain't hiding. Remember his words? Go tell that fox. Go tell him that I'll keep preaching. I'll keep praying for the sick. And he says, on the third day, I will reach my goal. This 13-year-old girl saturated in the Word of God with all of her problems has hope. As she says, I rejoice in God, my Savior. This expression of great joy happens before she's seen any of the outcome of all of this. Tommy, will you come? Alex on the other side. Now remember, she's unmarried and pregnant. In that culture, they could stone you for that. She's, she's got to sell this to Joseph and she has a pretty good idea how this is going to go over. The scandal that that will cause in her village and in every village to this date as the world says, you're telling me, you've got to be kidding me. You believe this Christmas story? That God came through a virgin? And then Herod, he's going to go on a baby-killing spree. Hundreds of babies. Mary and her family will have to flee as fugitives and run to Egypt and live there as foreigners. She doesn't know how any of this is going to turn out. But she's rejoicing. And the secret to her joy is this one thing. My soul magnifies the Lord. Now, as one of the Anawim, you learned very early that you, you had two choices. You were either going to magnify your problems or you were going to magnify the Lord. So I said, anybody, anybody this Christmas season, anybody here but me have a problem? And you're going to have to choose what's going to get magnified this Christmas season. Because rejoicing, rejoicing in the Lord is what centers you and what grounds you. When does God want you to not be joyful? The overall settled condition to which God calls every one of us is joy. And I close myself off to joy whenever I think that someday, someday when it all gets fixed, I'll be joyful. Well, we're going to end this service on a note of joy. We're going to magnify the Lord. In fact, nothing does that more as a church than when we come to this table. And we're going to remember, we're going to celebrate that Mary had a baby. And we're going to celebrate that the baby that Mary had is adequate to walk with you in a joyful way throughout this holiday season. Jesus said a final meal 
took bread and broke it and said, every time you do this, you will magnify me. You will remember me, my body broken for you. And in the same way, he took a cup at that meal and said, this is a new covenant that's being established. It will require the shedding of my blood. And for every person who comes and puts their faith in him, the Bible says you can be born again. You must, you must be born again. And if you come in simple faith before these things this morning, then the gift of new life is what is offered to you. The ushers will come on both sides of the street. There's a little cracker in a center tray. Eat from it as a symbol of his body. Then drink from the juice cup, place back the empty, and we'll wait until everyone has been served. Lord, we magnify you in these closing moments. Let joy, let joy be our portion, I pray, this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) 